and welcome to the Get Started with Film Photography podcast. My name is Graham Young. This is the second half of using your light meter and what your light meter is trying to tell you. And uh, it, the, I, I already talked quite a bit about how your light meter sees light, what it's trying to tell you about that light, and certain tricks on how to get your exposures exactly the way that you want them. In the last half of the episode, I talked about using a gray card, and it really, uh, I, I highly recommend using gray cards. Um, but what if you're out traveling, you're traveling light, and you don't have a gray card handy? Now, first of all, I am an American of British and Irish descent, so I want to be very clear about what my skin looks like, what my skin tone is. I have light skin. Now, everybody is going to have skin that is going to be a little bit different lightness or darkness. So this is going to be different for everybody else. But an, an alternative to using your gray card is to use the palm of your hand. So if you're again in that situation, you're in a situation where you have a tricky lighting, um, you're, you're hiking in the mountains, in the trees, and the, uh, there's a canopy over you that's casting this lovely green diffuse light, but you don't know immediately how to, how to meter for that. Well, if you just put your hand out, or actually, if you just put my hand out, and fill the frame of your hand in the same light as the scene that you're taking. So you have to actually go over to where the object is that you're taking a picture of. Put your hand out, fill the frame of your, of your camera with your hand. For me, remember I am a light European skinned American. My palm is actually one stop faster, one stop brighter than a gray card. So I know this because I measured it. I measured a gray card. I measured my palm. There was a one-stop difference. I measured the gray card, and let's say I'm at 1 60th of a second at F8. When I measure my hand, uh, it, it says that I should be at 1 125th of a second at F8 or 1 60th of a second at F11. That's trying to tell me to stop my camera down, stop my lens down, speed up the shutter just by one stop to get to middle gray. Well, I know my hand is brighter than middle gray. So what I do is I take that reading and then I just go and, and stop down from what it's trying to tell me. So one stop towards the dark end from what it's trying to tell me. That's a very handy thing, quite literally, and I didn't really mean the pun when I said it, but yes, it is a very handy thing to know what your the light meter reading is off of your palm. And certainly, take some, take some uh, experiments. If you have a gray card, that's the best starting point. Know what the exposure is on the gray card, and then shoot the palm of your hand, or maybe something else that you carry all the time. You know, uh, your phone case. I actually have a gray phone case. I could do it with, I could do it with my phone case. It actually appears to my eyes. Uh, I didn't even think about this. This is actually a really good idea. I should meter this. 
my phone case is actually, it looks to be um, about a stop darker than middle gray. But uh, but I'll I'll get out my light, my uh, gray card and measure it against my, my phone case. And my phone case is always the same. You know, it's always with me, right? Um, I, now, if you're using your phone to, <laughs> as your light meter, you're a little bit stuck with your phone case. You don't want to take your phone case off out in the wilds. That's one little trick. But I'm also going to give you the two stops up, two stops down rule. I'm going to talk about the, the concept. Uh, I'm, I'm going to briefly talk about the zone system. But the zone system is actually a very good system. And it's relatively simple. I'm going to tell you it's relatively simple. I'm going to do the zone system on an entirely different episode. And there are lots of people who think of the zone system as an advanced system. I don't think it really has to be. I don't think it's overly complicated in any way. The zone system was developed by Ansel Adams and Fred Archer in the 1940s, I believe, 1940s. And they were basing some some information um, on different techniques that they had learned um, with exposures. And so they just formalized this zone system. And the zone system is this. You have 11 zones and they correspond, if you have listened to my episodes on black and white film, you'll know that I've talked about dynamic range of film. And this also works for color. Color usually has just a slightly lower dynamic range. So you might want to adjust this by half half a stop. But let's go through let's go through the whole uh, the whole thing uh, very briefly. But the idea is that black and white film has about 10 stops of dynamic range. And that means that from the darkest area that you that you can expose, you if you make it any darker, it's all going to be that same black. Or on the other side, if you make it any lighter than the than the the lightest zone, the lightest part of your your exposure, any lighter than that and everything is just going to be the same, okay? So the difference between r- white and black it is about 10 stops. So Ansel Adams and uh, and his buddy Fred, uh, Fred Archer, what they did was they divided that up actually into 11 zones, okay? Each zone represents a stop. So we'll talk about what a stop is again. A stop is going from 160th of a second to 130th of a second. That is opening or that is giving you one stop more light. Or a stop is going from F8 to F11. That is giving you one stop less light. So the shutter speed and, and the aperture... Uh, it's all about doubling or having the amount of light and each doubling or each having of the amount of light is one stop. Okay. So what they do is they put middle gray at stop number five and they have a stop zero and they have a stop 10. So that's 11. So at number five, middle gray, there is... Uh, let, let me give you an example of how this works. I talked about my hand being one stop over 
middle gray. So that means that my hand is zone six. Okay. And then we have zone seven, eight, nine, and 10. And we have zone four, three, two, one, and zero. So that's 11 total stops. Now, they say that you can get detail. This was the theory. Uh, you could di differentiate the grain in wood from stop three to stop seven. So that is two stops down and two stops up. Two stops down, meaning two stops darker from five to three. And two stops up, this really works a lot better if I have visuals, but I'm a podcast, so I'm going to go through this still. So two stops up would be from zone five to zone seven. You can get good amounts of detail in anywhere between zone three and zone seven. So here is another way of working. Let's go, let's go back to the mountains in North Carolina. I am walking down a path, I'm walking down a trail, and I see this incredibly huge boulder just coming out of the side of the hill, and it's got moss on it, and it's got, and it's granite, and you can see the different textures of the different crystals in the granite, and I want to take a picture of it, but I know that if I make that middle gray, that's too light for that object, it's a dark object. I don't want to make that middle gray. So what I do is I go up to the object, I fill my frame with that, with that scene, and I now have a setting. Let's say it tells me 1 30th of a second at F4, because it's dark. We're, we're in a dark situation. 1 30th of a second at F4. Now, that is really, now it's going to try to make that scene, it's going to try to make that middle gray. So it's actually overexposing that. Now I want, remember when I talked about how you can get that detail from zone three to zone seven? Well, let's put that in zone three. So that exposure that is in zone three because it's dark and I want a bunch of detail in that situation. So it is in zone three. It is F4 at 1 30th of a second. Well, I need to expose again for middle gray for the whole scene. So I need to go two stops up, two stops towards light. I can take my shutter speed and I can switch it from 1 30th to 1 60th. That's one stop and 1 60th to 1 125th, that's two stops. Or I could do a combination. I can go, move my shutter speed from 1 30th of a second to 1 60th of a second. I can move my aperture from F4 to F5.6. And then I can take my scene. And I know that that is going to be dark, but I'm going to get detail in that area because of that I call it the two up, two downs rule. So if you have an area that's dark, but you want detail in it, you want to meter for that area, you know, fill your frame with that, and then underexpose by two stops, meaning make less light come in your camera by two stops, by stopping down two stops, or increasing the shutter speed by two stops, 
Or, on the other hand, if you're walking along and you see a tree, one of the other things, and I don't know what they are, but there were trees in North Carolina that were completely covered with white blossoms. They were absolutely wonderful. So that is going to be brighter than middle gray. So I can put that two stops over, right? I can put that two stops over because of all the white flowers in there. I put that two stops over and then I just overexposed by two stops. I'm going to say, once again, it's one, let's say one five hundredth at F16. I can go to one two hundred fiftieth and I can take F16 and make it F11. So now I'm, I did two stops in a combination of both shutter speed and aperture. And remember, if you're, you can either just change one or you can change both of them. Whatever, how many ever stops you're moving, you just need to, you know, use them together, count them together. So one stop on shutter speed, one stop on aperture, and that'll give you, um, your proper amount. So that is a really good way to go around the world. In that situation, if you had a gray card, you could walk right up to that tree. You could uh, set your exposure from that gray card and go back and take the picture and it'd be just like you want to see, just like the world that you were seeing that day. Everything that I've been talking about so far is about metering with reflected light. So it's reflecting off my hand, it's reflecting off an object, it's reflecting off the gray card. It is light that is reflecting. I'm gonna go ahead and take a break and we will be back right after this. There is another way of metering, and that is measuring the light that is falling on the subject. So the concept here is to measure how much light is coming out of the sky from all different directions. And if that's the situation, if you can measure that, then you don't have to worry about the color of the object or the value of the object, the the brightness or darkness of the object. Because if you measure the amount of light falling on that object, your picture is going to appear the way that you see it in the world because it is going to, we're going to then expose for the amount of light falling on that object. So it is a different way of thinking. So what we call this is incident light metering. It is incident light metering. Now, many handheld light meters have the ability to meter uh, using incident light. And what they have is a little half dome, little half circle, half sphere. And it's usually a milky white color. It is an opaque, well, it's not opaque. It is translucent because it has to let the amount of light in. And they will sit usually on the top of the light meter, whereas a reflected light meter will usually, usually be on the front of the light meter. The incident light meter is all about how much light is coming into that object. So it measures the light from the sky or from the rest of the room. Light meters that have incident metering capabilities are often fairly expensive, and especially the new ones can be upwards of 
several hundred dollars. But there is a company that makes a little milky dome that will sit on your smartphone. It will sit on the the selfie camera. It'll stick on the selfie camera. So you put this little dome on the selfie camera and then you use your light meter, okay? Then you bring your, your light meter app up and your light meter app will either see that that you're using that camera and you can switch back and forth with cameras, either the reflected light meter, you know, which is your normal out the back camera or your incident light meter. You can switch back and forth with most light meter applications. And then you put this little dome on it and it's a company called Luxie. And I will also, again, link to that. They're cheap. They're 20 bucks. Um, let me express uh, the advantage of, of, this, of this incident light meter. Because it is measuring the amount of light that is falling on the object that you're trying to take a picture of, it will render it perfectly the way you see it. And um, that's, that's the whole thing of, uh, of an incident light meter. If you're out on a bright sunny day in snow, it's just measuring that light coming from the sky. If you're in um, Seattle and it's been um, uh, 36 months in a row since you've seen the sun, then you can measure the light coming through the clouds, hopefully bouncing off the rain. And, and you can measure that amount of light. So you're going to see the world in the same light that you are, um, you know, you, that your eyes are seeing the world. Again, I talked about there being an advanced method of metering a scene, and it's called the zone system. And I talked about the structure of the zone system, but I really only talked about zones three through seven. Um, they there are val- there are uh, uses of different zones. There are also methods within the zone system of developing the film to increase or decrease the dynamic range of the film so that you can get all of those zones in on that film. Uh, and it's uh, it's really definitely, if you want to go ahead and, and look at the zone system, you can. Um, I, I'm, you know, as I said, I'll be doing a show on the zone system and it's an advanced technique and it takes a lot of brain work. And it's best used for sheet film. So 4x5, 8x10 shooters, large format. It's best used for that because then you can develop each sheet of film differently to reflect the lighting conditions and and what you're trying to get out of a scene. But it can also work for roll film, like 120 roll film or... um, or 35 millimeter roll film. It's just, um, you can't really do a lot of mixing up uh, of, of imagery. So again, I'm going to deal with that in a future episode. Thanks very much for joining me today. If you have any questions, I have a once monthly podcast of questions and answers. If you have a question, go to the website, getstartedwithfilm.com and fill out the form or send me an email Graham at GetStartedWithFilm.com, and that's spelled G-R-A-H-A-M at GetStartedWithFilm.com, and put in the subject line whatever the subject of the question is, so I know how to organize each question. 
If you are on Instagram, you can follow the feed of the show at Get Started With Film. If you hashtag your posts, Get Started With Film, I have a pretty good chance of seeing your work and I might feature it in the show's feed. Our music comes from filmmusic.io. This track is Poofy Real by Kevin McLeod of Incomptech.com and it's licensed through Creative Commons.